Good evening. Welcome to our midweek service. It's great to see you guys this evening. And it's only 96 degrees out there. I know. Not getting a lot of response. I was in San Antonio Monday. It was 106. So it's 10 degrees cooler here than it was down there two days ago. So it's kind of hard to believe you can say 96 sounds cool. It's really not, but you know what I'm saying. I guess it's all relative, right? So anyway, great to see you guys. Glad you're here to worship with us this evening. Why don't you go ahead and stand, and we'll uh, sing a couple songs together, and then we're going to have the the privilege of hearing from uh, Nathan here in just a little bit. So here we go. All right, let's worship together. Bless his name. Sing with me. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, when I walk in the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Give and take away. You give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Give and take away, you give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Say one more time. say, 
Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Amen. Blessed be his name.
seen it. So Pastor Owen asked me to come and speak tonight. He was, was planning on being out of town for the Panama missions trip, and, but then his, his, um, he was going to be here tonight, but his grandmother passed away, and so I'm sure you guys are aware. So um, let's keep him in our prayers. And while we're thinking about that, if there's anything that you guys want me to pray for, I'd love to pray for you right now and pray for us as our gathering together, and then I'll get into my, my lesson. Anybody have anything that they want prayed for? I'm, I'm an ordained minister, so I can pray for you. Um, um, yes, ma'am. Um, I'm Amy Brooks, and uh, I like to pray for you. Okay. Excellent. Awesome. We'll pray for that. Anything else? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father in heaven, we are very grateful for this opportunity. We have brothers and sisters all around the world who do not get the chance to freely walk into a building and, and greet brothers and sisters and hear your word proclaimed and sing your praises. And so we are just grateful that we live in a country and in a place where we freely can come and do that. We pray, God, for Annie and her parents and her family, whatever that struggle is. We don't know. We don't need to know, Father. You, you know, and you're the king of glory and, and, and all power and all wisdom and all might is, is yours, Father God. So we know that you can work in that. We lift up Owen and his family, Lord, as they deal with the loss of his grandmother. We pray, God, for this time that your spirit would move, would use me um, and speak through me, that uh, you might be glorified, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so, um, as David's David said, uh, my name is Nathan Hurlbert. Um, I am a... Um, was a, a missionary. Hold on, I gotta open up my iPad because can't preach. You know, you know, can't preach that iPads. Um, um, so um, tonight I'm gonna. My lesson's gonna come out of Genesis 50. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you um, turn there and we'll read it together. Um, and you can hang out there in Genesis. I'm gonna kind of go around 50, maybe 41, a little bit. And then I'm going to pop around some other places, and I'll just tell you so we don't spend the whole night turning. I got, I got mad scriptures. Okay, um, so Genesis 50, 15 through 21. When, and I'm reading the ESV. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So, that they, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of, your, of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they, when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for, I am, in the, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about it that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Can, can we just quickly pray that God's word be moved tonight? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, just the power in it. We pray, God, that through it, that your, your spirit would move. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So um, church planner, Los Angeles, seven years. 
Um, we planted a church there, was part of the North American Mission Board. It's not called the North American Mission Board anymore. It's called Sin, Sin North America. That's what it's called. And um, before that, I lived in Tulsa. I'm from, originally from Oklahoma, southeastern Oklahoma, um, small town called Rattan, if anybody, or Rattan, however you want to say it. I've been in L.A. for a while, so we call it Rattan out there, or Rattan, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so um, in our seven years, or in, as a church planner, we were there for 10 total years. We left in 2008 from Tulsa. And um, in our time there, man, God did some really amazing things. He really did. We had this young, this lady, she, she wasn't young, she wasn't, she was her age, whatever that is. And um, she, she was, okay, she was a little older, and it's okay. But um, she, she showed up at our church because our, the name of our church was Unity. And there's actually a denomination called Unity. And I didn't, we didn't know it when we named our church Unity. We had no idea. Um, and so she showed up thinking that she was going to get this. And Unity, this kind of side note, Unity churches, they believe a little bit of everything. They're, you know, it's like whatever you want to believe. Like if you, like they, they use the name Jesus, but, but not out of scripture, out of their own world, however they want to use it. And if you want to believe that the tree is good to me and that's what I believe in, you're fine. You're like, you're welcome there. And so when she, she told me what church she went to, when I greeted her at the door, I, I knew what she was in for because I knew, I knew what I was going to preach, um, which was the gospel. I always preach the gospel. The gospel is going to be in my message every single time or I don't, I don't get in front of anybody. So, you, so you, now you know where we're going. And, um, but, uh, so I knew, I'm like, well, one time she's going to hear the gospel, so here we go. And um, when it was over, I, I shook her hand and said, you know, glad, you know, I'm glad you're here. And she's like, I've never heard anyone teach the Bible like that. I, I, I'm coming back. And she came back and she came back and we baptized her. And she's, I mean, I, I get emotional because I love it. I love how God just used um, th this lady in, 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 in that situation. And we had families healed, not, not physically, but, but marriages healed that, that were, when I showed up, I had no idea, but, but just use me. God used me to change these lives. And, and, we, and, and God grew me. I mean, seriously, huge impact in my life. When I left Tulsa, headed to Los Angeles, it's a massive contrast. Like me and my wife were talking about it as we were driving back, how I'm not the man I was driving out there, driving back. I'm a completely different person. And that's God. God did all of that in me while I was out there. When, when we left Tulsa, we were going to Los Angeles for me. It, it was about me. I'm just going to be straight up honest. You, you don't know me. Well, you don't know me. My name's Nathan. But, um, you don't know me real well, but, some, but I'm going to be transparent. I love being transparent. And so I was going out there for me. I, what I wanted, I'd worked in the TV film industry for 15 years at that point, or 12 years at that point, and I wanted to work in movies. I wanted to see the name Nathan Hurlburt scroll across the screen. I, I had a dream. That's what I wanted, and I was going to do it. And it didn't matter. It took me here to talk to my poor wife, who's from Moore. She grew up here in Moore. She went to Emmaus in the 90s. So she's from this area, and she's like, you're moving me to California for your name, and that's silly. Took me a year, but I finally talked her into it, and, um, and got out there and got in, got, out, got in the industry, got, got my name in the credits, and thought this was it, thought this was what I, was all, what I wanted. I worked in some big movies, big directors, big actors, big things, but there was something missing. Like there was something that I still wanted and still desired, and it was... It was this serving God. I, I didn't, I mean, I, when I was 16 in southeastern Oklahoma, God had called me into full-time ministry, but I didn't respond. Right? The, the, the doors didn't open the way I thought they should. 
And, you know, I don't, I don't know why they just don't give churches to 16-year-olds. I don't get it. Um, but so no, one, so no one's like, hey, you, pastor, no. So it didn't work out. And, um, but there I am and, and going, this isn't fulfilling me the way I thought. I thought this was going to be the, the, the pinnacle of my life. I, I mean, this is going to be great. But it, it, and it, it, there was part of it that was. There was part of it that was satisfying. But it wasn't fulfilling. Right? It, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't fulfill me the way I wanted it to. And so we got involved in this small country Baptist church right in the heart of Beverly Hills. It's insane. Kentucky boy preaching this church. It's crazy. Southern Baptist. It's nuts. It's a really good church. And uh, wound up getting on church board, wound up getting on their staff, became an associate pastor, started going to seminary, started to take less time for my work. God just opened up doors. And as I put in less time into the things that I wanted, God began to grow me and he began to use me more. Before that, he wasn't using me at all. I wasn't, I wasn't sharing. Even though I believed in the gospel, even though I was a follower of Christ, I didn't share my testimony or my faith with any of my coworkers. I wasn't concerned with his kingdom. I was completely concerned with mine. And then as I began to do less of that and started to pour myself more into his kingdom and what he was doing, God began to use me to change people's lives. When I focused on others is when God could use me. And here's what, here's what I really want to tell you guys. Now, this, is, this is my heart of my message is this. God has a plan for you. Right? God has a plan for every single person in this room, regardless of your age, regardless of your background, regardless of what's going on in your life. God has given you this, this plan, or he has a plan for you. And it's, this plan is centered on his kingdom, not yours. His plan isn't for your kingdom, isn't to grow your stuff, whatever that is, whatever it is that you love in life. He's not about growing that. He's about growing his kingdom. And that plan is to, a plan to change the lives, to make impact on lives for Christ. I love this. This is out of 1 Peter. You don't have to turn there. This is 1 Peter chapter 4 if you want to write the note down. 1 Peter 4 says this. He says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, grumbling as each has received a gift. Notice that, as each has received a gift. Right? He's not saying that maybe you received a gift, maybe some of you. He says, as each of you have received a gift, use it to serve one another. That's the gift. God gave us those gifts, and we all have gifts, every single one of you. There's not a person in this room that's not gifted in something, somewhere. He says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love this passage because he's saying, the varied gifts that you've been given are for God and his glory, not, not for you, right? And, and, and we all have gifts, and we have things that we can do. Last Wednesday, and I don't know if you were here last Wednesday, but the brother that was bringing, I think his name was Tom, I'm not quite familiar, remember, but he was talking about our, our um, talent and how we use gifts, and I believe that. We all have these, these gifts, but he did not give you those gifts so that you could be whatever, rich, wealthy, famous, whatever it is that are even satisfied, Right? He gave you those gifts so that you can glorify him, period. There's really no gray area to that. 
here's the problem. There's a problem. We're selfish, self-centered people. We are. Every day, every one of us wakes up with our agenda on our mind. What, what do I got to do today? What do I have today? What am I doing? Where am I supposed to be? And, and, and you may get up, and, I, and, and listen, I'm, I don't know. You guys may be two-hour, on-the-knee prayer people the first thing in the morning. I don't know. And if you are, praise God, that's awesome. I'm going to be real honest. I'm not. I would love to be. But normally I wake up, say, thank you, Lord, for this day. And then I begin to, what have I got? What, what's on my agenda? And the world around us is no different. The human beings, by nature, are self-centered. Right? So we're, so Los Angeles. Anybody ever been to Los Angeles? Anybody been to L.A.? Nobody? One, two, three, sweet. Four. Awesome. You ever driven there? Yeah, it's no fun, right? It's no fun to drive there because everybody who's driving in Los Angeles is out for themselves, right? And it's just, it's just infuriating to drive there. Like, you'll be at a red light, 15 cars. This guy over here is a turn lane, supposed to turn left, turn lane only. Around everybody, time to just right and then go straight. Nothing makes me madder than that. Selfish. And I tell you, that's us, man, that's us. We're all, let's be honest, we're all like that, just a little bit. But as Christians, as Christians, anybody who considers themselves as followers of Christ, we are called to be radically different than them. Right? Even though our nature might want to lean that direction, right, because that's, we're sinful we're in our nature, and we might want to lean that direction, we've got to pull against it. We've got to pull against it radically and say, no, we're nothing like that. We've got to be different. We are called to serve other people, to build others up. We are called to spend our lives pointing to someone else. That's Jesus Christ. We're called to spend our lives pointing to him. We're called to be selfless in the face of selfishness. That's what we're called. And so what I want to do is, is I'm going to take scripture this morning, or this, not this morning, I'm so used to preaching Sunday mornings, this afternoon, I'm gonna, or evening. Um, I'm going to take scripture, and I'm going to give us three examples of, of individuals that were faced with extreme selfishness and acted in an extreme selfless way, okay? So the first one is right there in chapter 50 of, of Genesis, right? So this is Joseph's story, and this is a very famous story. We all know this story if we've spent any time in church. And I'll give you a real brief synopsis so that we'll just kind of quickly go through it. So it starts off at around 37, chapter 37-ish, and uh, Joseph is the, the 11th brother of 12 brothers, right? He's uh, one of the youngest ones. Benjamin's the youngest, but then Joseph's the second youngest of the brothers. And um, he has some dreams about his brothers bowing down to him, and they can't stand it. Remember, they, they get extremely upset. How, how dare you think that we're ever going to bow down to you? Right? And so they, what do they do? They conspire first to kill him, but then Reuben's not happy about that. He says, no, we can't kill him, but hey, let's sell him into slavery. That's the next best thing. So they sell him. And all of this is just to get rid of him because, they're, because they can't stand. And the fact that the father, remember the father uh, uh, makes him the, who's Israel, makes him the, the coat of many colors. Right? Jacob makes him the coat of many So they're very envious, jealous of him, and, they're, and so selfishly they get rid of him. Right? And, then, and then he goes and gets sold into slavery, and then he's in, in Potiphar, and Potiphar uses him selfishly. If you think about it, Potiphar uses him selfishly, puts him in a place where he can make Potiphar wealthy, and Potiphar doesn't do nothing. Right? He just sits around and lets Joseph do all the work. And then his, Potiphar's wife selflessly wants to use him and then lies about 
this affair that never took place. Joseph gets thrown in prison, right? And, and even in prison, the jailer selfishly uses him, puts him to work, taking care of everything. And then, and then he's used by the baker and, and the cupbearer, right? He, they use him selfishly. They, they, would, we have, they have a dream. Joseph's going to interpret it. And, and he's like, they're like, thank you. And then they never repay the favor. The, 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 the cupbearer dies, but the baker doesn't. The baker never calls back, right? Never texts him. Says, hey, dude, we're good. Like, that never happened. And eventually he gets used by Pharaoh. Like, Pharaoh gets him out of prison. Interpret my dream. Sounds good. You're in charge. Right? And, and we think Pharaoh's being a good guy. He's not being a good guy. He's being selfish. Sounds good. Obviously, God's with you. Let's use this guy to get what we want. But each time, Joseph remains selfless, right? Every time, he remains selfless. And every time, he points back to God. In Genesis, I told you 40, I mean 50, but look at 41. It's a couple pages back. This is just one example of how, how Joseph behaves selflessly, even though he does it throughout the entire story. This is 40, Genesis 41, verse 14 through 16. Scripture says this, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit, and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said that you were, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. I, I, I love this on two levels. One, Joseph does the smart thing and, and the right thing and says, I, I don't interpret dreams. God does. Right? God's going to interpret your dream. He's pointing to the right person. But the, the second thing is he's completely selfless here because if I'm, let's just be honest, if I'm Joseph, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yep, I can't interpret dreams. What's in it for me? I'm in prison. You know I'm in prison. Are you going to fix me up? Are you going to help me out? No. Joseph's just ready to do whatever God wants him to do. He's like, it's not me, it's God, and, and you tell me the dream and God's going to interpret it, regardless of the outcome, right? He doesn't care if he's going to get sit back into prison. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's just doing what God's called him to do. He's, called, he's being selfless. Joseph had endured so much, and it started with his brother's selfishness, and it continued throughout. And, and, and Joseph had, when, when in the end, Joseph had every right to repay his brothers with harshness. And he had every right. They had sold him to slavery. And he could have just kicked him to the curb. But he doesn't. Look, now turn it back to 50 again. Sorry. But in 50, verse 19 and 20, he says, But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? I love that. I love that. He's like, God judges. I don't judge. I'm not your judger. God judges. God does that. Am I in his place? He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. They meant evil against their brother Joseph, but God meant that and used that for good. For good. And God was able to use Joseph for good because he was selfless. So the second person I want to point to is Ruth. We've been studying Ruth in Sunday mornings. I've enjoyed that study. I love Ruth. Ruth is a great um, Old Testament book. It's short, and it's just powerful. I love the character of Ruth. Really great. It's really a great piece of literature, but 
way more powerful than that. It's a great piece of scripture. And um, she too was extremely selfless in the face of selfishness. Um, think about her for just a second. If we put ourselves in her shoes, there they were in, in her homeland where she grew up, all of her family, all of her friends, all of, everything that she knew about life was here, right? And then her, her husband and her, brother, her brother-in-law die and her widowed, widowed mother is going to go home. And she says, I'm going to go with you. And her mother gives her an out. No, 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 we don't want that to happen. And then her, her sister-in-law, Orpah, which I always want to call Oprah too. What's up with that? I'm dyslexic, so I'd probably whine. And Orpah is like, thanks. I, thank you for the out. Never really wanted to go in the first place. I'm going, to, I'm going back. I'm staying, right? But I love Ruth's response. And Ruth, this is Ruth chapter one, just if, for your notes. Or if you want to turn there, it's a little ways from Genesis. But Ruth chapter one, we read it in two weeks ago, so you'll remember this. And she said, this is Naomi, and she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, right? She's, she's made her choice for herself, right? She, she did this, her self-choice for her selfishness. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts me from you. She'd made up her mind. She was all in with Naomi, wherever Naomi went. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, this was serious. This was wedding vow level stuff. Where you die, I die. Your God, my God. Your people, my people. I'm, I'm all in. Ruth had no idea how that was going to turn out for her. She had no idea what that was going to be like. But she was selfless. She knew that Naomi needed her. She had no, she'd lost everybody. And she was not going to run out on Naomi. And because she was selfless, God used her. She didn't, if we remember the story, we continue the story, we listened to it last Sunday, where, where you know, she doesn't even try to find a, a new husband. She doesn't go look for a young man to take care of her. No, she, she's not even interested in that. She's just interested in taking care of Naomi. She's just here selflessly caring for her mother-in-law. And so God was able to use her because of her selflessness. And then our third example is, is obviously our most ultimate example, and that's Jesus Christ. I mean, he was extremely selfless. When we think of Jesus' selflessness, the first thing that comes to mind is the cross, right? And it's the first thing we think of is his death and his sacrifice, and, and rightfully so. I think that's where our mind should go. But, but we should be reminded that his selflessness started way before that. I, I love the way Paul puts this in Philippians 2. This is one of my favorite passages. This was the passage that... Um, we had to exegete for my Greek class. And I love, love, love this passage. I read it every time I get a chance. I'm going to read the whole thing just because I love it so much. But the middle part is the one I want to show you. But this is Philippians 2. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing selfishly from selfish ambition, that's something you should underline, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though was, he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, 
by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love that passage and that imagery. But the thing that we should draw from it is, is how selfless Christ was. Even though he was equal with God, when he became a man, he realized that that wasn't something he needed to grasp. He emptied himself. He let go of that equality with God and became a man. Right? Lower than the angels. And so he, he went all the way down to, to humanity. And he did that for us, just completely selfless, selflessly gave himself as, as a human being. And then, and then all the way, he, he, he was obedient all the way to the point of death, even the worst kind of death, which was on the cross. And, he, and I think about this a lot, about how much Jesus had in heaven. I mean, we, we can't quite put our minds around it, can we? I mean, someday we're all going to get to be there, hopefully, I don't... <laughs> I don't know all you guys, but I hope we're all there. And it, it, I just, we can't fathom how awesome heaven's going to be and how the angels are going to circle Christ constantly, nonstop, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he leaves that for us. That's selflessness. That's selflessness. And God used his selflessness to do the ultimate good, to give grace to the to, to anyone who would accept it. Here, here's the truth as I kind of wind down my, my message. Here's the truth. I believe that Scripture teaches us that God desires to use every single person in this room. That's his desire. He, he, he wants to use us. He does. And out of love, and, and really kind of out of just grace, he doesn't force us. Right? He doesn't force you to do anything. But he still has a desire for us and, and he has a desire for us to, to, to do works that glorify his kingdom. And he's, a, he's uniquely gifted you for this task. I, I have gifts that you don't. You have gifts that I don't. You have a world that I know nothing about and could never enter into. Right? I could never come over to your house and talk to your friends or your family the way you could. Right? They'd be like, who's this guy and why is he here? Right? But you can't. And the, and, and the things that you can do, I can't. And, and all the way around, when I, when I left Tulsa, headed towards California, I left, I left for me. I left for me, for my kingdom, for what it was going to mean for, for me, my future. But God changed me, and he used me in that change to, to, to change other people. And, and all of this happened when I started to become selfless, when I started to realize that, that there's, the world is bigger than me. What God has for me is way bigger than, than what it is that I want or what it is that I desire. And so, and, and I'll be really honest, I need to grow in this. I am nowhere near as selfless as I need to be. I'm just not. And, and I would imagine that, that, that most of us are in that boat, right? But we're not as selfless as we would like to be. And so what I want to do is I want you to find encouragement in this, this next passage. This is my last passage. But this, I want you to be encouraged by this because these are some powerful words. This is 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 14, verse 14 and 15. Paul says this, For the love of Christ controls us. That, that word control 
is another, the Greek word means to restrain, to hold down, don't, to not let you go. We cannot move. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might not longer, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Because Christ died for us, we should be willing to die for him. And I'm not talking about physical, though that may be the case. Plenty of people have laid their life down for Christ, and it's a noble thing to do so. But I think every Christian is asked to lay their life down. Every single one. Right? Jesus says, you want to you wanna follow me? What's the first thing he tells you to do? Deny yourself. It begins with a denial of you. That's where following Christ starts. And he says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, then follow me. And so that's really what I, I feel. And so what I want us to do this week, this week, right, between now and next Wednesday, or whenever, um, I want us to, in our prayer time, whether it's nighttime or morning time, whenever you pray, let's spend time just asking God, God, where am I selfish? Because a lot of times these are blind spots. Right? We, we can't see them the way God can see them. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is, man, he loves to tell you what you're doing wrong. And so if you just go to him and go, where am I being selfish, God? Where, where, can, I, where can I give more of me away? What area of my life? And then I want to encourage you that when God shows you that, and he will, when he shows you that area, that place, that thing, whatever it is, then be willing for his sake, for the love of Christ controls us, be willing to lay it down. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are very grateful for the sacrifice that Christ made, the fact that he came and, and emptied himself of all equality with you and took on flesh it is just overwhelming that you would love us that much. Father God, help us to love the way you love, to love sacrificially, to give ourselves for your kingdom, that we may glorify you in what we do. For you are worthy. You alone, Father God, are worthy of our worship. And Jesus said, no greater love than when a man lays down his life. So help us, Father, to lay our lives down for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I'm really used to doing announcements now because that's what we do at my church. I'd be like, okay, well, let's... So Sunday night's women's Bible study, but I don't know what that is. So, so anyway, you guys have a great week. Thank you for letting me share.